Ladies and gentlemen, help me welcome back the host of True Crime Fans, Mr. Bob Ruff. Hello, Crime Talk. You guys are not nearly as loud as the last crowd. I said, hello, Crime Con. How many of you guys were here for the last session? I can't see, so say, woo. Shit. So the same joke's not going to play this time then, huh? Different jokes. Uh, I want to welcome you guys all here. Uh, for those of you that weren't here, it must have been in some other session that wasn't quite as good as ours. Uh, we have shrapnel left over from my session with Nick and the captain. Uh, for today, one second. I haven't flipped my notes over to the, uh, the current episode that we're going to be doing. So my guests today uh, are people that, so here's, the, let me tell you something. When, when I talked to the people at CrimeCon and we said, we're going to do some live true crime binge episodes. What's true crime binge? For those of you that don't know, every week we invite other true crime podcasters on. We introduce you to new shows that you can become your new big true crime binge or let you get to know the hosts of the shows that you already love. That's what we do every week. And then we try to talk about a case of the week if we get to it. Uh, and so when CrimeCon said, you know, Bobby wants you to do uh, some, some live true crime binge episodes, and they said, uh, we've got some guests for you. We want you to talk to uh, this, this dynamic duo of podcasters. And I thought, ah, well, must be some, some new up-and-comers, uh, people that nobody's really heard of. You know, give them the old, uh, the old Bob Ruff bump, right? The old true, true crime binge bump. Uh, and then I looked up the, uh, who these, these two people are and realized they're, they're wildly more popular than, than my show is. Uh, so hopefully to give me the big crime weekly bump, I'd like to introduce you to Stephanie Harlow and Derek Lavasser. The internet's full of true crime podcasts. More and more are added to the list every day. Figuring out where to start or where to go next can be overwhelming, but have no fear. I'm here to help. I'm Bob Ruff, and this is the place to find your next true crime binge. All right, Derek and Stephanie, you weren't listening, right, about the fact that I thought my show was more popular than yours. Oh, and yeah. the- I, I, will, I will say this. You have a bigger microphone than us. That's it's huge. It's right. Huge. What do you guys record within the studio? It's a road, but it's about half the size of this. Yeah, well, I'm compensating. I, I was going to say, I was inferring it. I was For inferring sure. it. Like I did, the mics just keep, you should see the one I have actually in the studio. It's, <laughs> it's actually an RE20 just like this, but I had it custom made. It's like this big. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, listen. That way it captures my big voice for my big audience uh, that we're doing. Uh, so this is one of my favorite things. So in our last session, I had, uh, I had Nick and the captain on, old friends of mine. We've been doing uh, chatting with each other about what we do for years. But my favorite part about True Crime Binge is when I get to meet podcasters that I don't know. And I know Stephanie a little bit. Got to have a little, little bourbon with Stephanie last night. We went out for, for a couple of drinks. Uh, she's a hoot. She said, you're super lame, though, Derek. Yes. <laughs> She's right. She's right. So let me get to know you a little bit first. So as I start, as I start looking you up, doing a little bit of background, because I'm always super prepared for these shows, uh, I, I, I find out that the first thing that pops up when I when I enter your name into Google is that you won Big Brother. Yeah. In 2016. <laughs> yeah. Not just on it. You you won Big Brother. Yeah. So so how, before that you're a cop, right? That's right. How many years were you a police officer? Thirteen for? years. I got on when I was 20 years old, youngest in the, the history of my department. At 20 years old, yep. and you're and you're from Rhode Island. From Rhode Island. Yep. Okay. So you're you're on for how many years? Thirteen. Thirteen years. So I was on for until I was about 30. I got hired at 20. I was on until 30. I went on Big Brother at 30. Okay. And then you know Big Brother happens. You don't realize what's going to happen afterwards, but. Some other especially op- if you win. Yeah, especially if you win, the half a million doesn't hurt. Right, right. And then uh, you have some other opportunities. And then I had literally, uh, <laughs> this true story, women who were like speeding through the city for me to stop them when I got home. Uh, and that became a, that became a that's problem. That's awesome. <laughs> they were putting it on social media like, hey, he's on Broad Street. If you go over there, 
You might get them. So yeah. how many people did you actually pull people over and find out that that's... No, they moved me to midnights. Thanks, guys. They moved me- I'm dead serious. They moved me to the midnight shift because of it. Yeah. So how did you handle all that with, with work? So you're, so you're still a working police officer. Right. Is the, the, what was the department you were on in Rhode Island? Central Falls. Is, is that Home a- of Viola Davis, if you guys might have heard of her once or twice. Yeah. Are you, uh, so is this a, is this a big department, big Small, department? about 50 guys. About 50, 50 guys. guys and gals, yep. Okay. So first of all, how did you end up on Big Brother? So I was undercover from the time I was 20. My first undercover operation was when I was 21 years old. Just on my birthday, chief calls me and says, hey, there's this school. They're selling date rape drugs. And, uh, you know, it's another department. You want to do undercover work? I'm like, give me an hour to sober up and I'll be there. <laughs> I really thought... I, I, when you said you went undercover, yeah, I thought we were still talking about Big Brother. No, this is before they wanted you to go be undercover at and, Big Brother, right? And then they wanted me to do a Big Brother. So I was an undercover detective for four years. Okay, got promoted to sergeant of narcotics, and then once I got, I got promoted to sergeant. And a lot of people think I was still a detective when I went on Big Brother, but I had turned thirty. I wasn't allowed to go out a lot as an undercover detective for right. the obvious reasons. So I started getting hooked on different shows, Survivor, Big Brother, and I remember saying to my wife, I was like, if I went on the show, I would. That would do great. And she's like, yeah, sure, Derek. Sure you would. Right. So when I turned 30, I was like, let me apply one time. I'm not going to go to audition. I'm just going to send in a video. I'm going to do a two-minute video and see what happens. So I said, hey, guys, Derek, I was an undercover detective. If I go on the show, I'm not going to tell them what I did as a career. I'm going to I'm gonna treat it like an undercover operation, and I think I'll win. If you guys like that, call me. And my phone rang like a week later. So that was it. No okay. shit. Who Did your wife film the video or did you do the whole thing? I did it. Literally, I put it a tripod on my stairs and okay. just filmed it. I did not think I would get a call. There's thousands, tens of thousands of people who apply every year. So I said, hey, if they call, we'll see. And, and they did. And the rest is history. And, and, and so you told your wife that if I get on this show, I'm going to win. I literally said, she said, why are you going? Because there's a lot of scrutiny right. that comes with reality TV. I said, if you give me permission to go, I promise you I'll win. So that was it. And then you did. Yeah, that was it. Oh, well, that's amazing. But what I'm thinking is that there have to be married men across the the world thinking, God damn it. Like, what an opportunity to say, I told you so to your wife. Yeah. It's, it's a, like, it, no, one, you never get to do that. It's a rarity. Yeah. It's a rarity. And then when I, it's funny, when I won, they, only, they allowed her to come up on stage. And if, if anyone who watched it, the first thing I said to her, go, I told you so. <laughs> After three months, I remembered it. I was like, "Told you so." And, and, and did did she uh, uh, accept the fact and concede the fact that you you were in fact right? No, she was just like, "Where's the check?" Right, right. That's that was just, it. That was that's it. Just, I've never. I've been. I've been with my wife for ten years now. I've never been right one single time about anything ever. Right. Uh, so congratulations. Thank on you that. on that. It's a win for the for us for once. Yes. Yeah. True crime audience, I, I can't see because of the spotlight, but yeah, I bet 99% uh, women out there, I'm guessing. Yeah. yeah, There they are, yeah. You know, when I when I started in true crime podcasting, I, I started the show and my audience started, uh, you know, you, you start to build an audience and social media following and these things. And I told my wife, I was like, you know, because I'm always wrong, right? I'm like, well, I don't know if you know this, but uh, your husband's pretty sexy guy because... <laughs> you look at my social media i'm followed by like ten thousand women right now thinking that ever that it was just because you know i was such a handsome sexy man uh i see it i see it right right well she didn't and uh she just (laughs) immediately pointed out that that like 90 percent of the true crime audience is just female and that's what was happening very true that's what was happening um so con- congratulations on that. So then after after uh, you win a half a million dollars, you're yeah. on Big Brother. Yep. And then you go back to work. Yeah, went right back to and work. Then, and then you got ladies trying to get you to pull them over. Yeah. And I, you know, and then the, the transition to true crime, I had, a, you know, you have agents reach out to you after the show. I turned them all down. I had the same I, problem all I, the time. I had one agent. His name is Harry Gold. He's my, still my agent today. He said, listen, I want to get you involved in true crime. I blew him off. I actually, he, he actually hit me up when I was in LA, still right after the show. I was like, yeah, I'll meet up with you tomorrow. I flew home. Right. Yeah. Um, but then, but then he, he, you know, he was persistent. He had me come back out and they said, listen, we have an opportunity for you. Uh, you ever heard the case, you know, OJ Simpson case? Yeah. I've heard of it once or twice. Uh-huh. And, yeah. uh, we, we have this gentleman who believes OJ's innocent and that his son actually killed, uh, Nicole and Ron. And I said, okay, that's not my interpretation of it, but I have only looked at it at the surface. I was only right. 10 years old when it happened. Um, he said he's looking for two investigators to come out, look at the case for what it is, and you tell him if he's right or wrong and whatever you say he's okay with. 
And I said, okay, that's a good opportunity. So my, my police department was nice enough to give me permission to do that. ID was the one that actually did the special and it went really well. Spoiler alert. Uh, OJ did it. <laughs> and I, that's the, the, wait, 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 wait. So the conclusion you came to was that OJ did it? Yeah, it was pretty, it, I don't know if anybody saw it, but it was pretty bad because the whole it, premise of bias, the, I think. I mean, yeah, the, <laughs> the whole premise was on this time card that Jason Simpson altered his time card and I was able to track down the machine. It's not the, it's not the first time I've heard about an altered time card. Yeah. <laughs> that there was this, there was an actual time machine, like a box, like a punch box they had. I tracked uh-huh. down the manufacturer of that, that box. And I waited till the final day of filming to tell this guy who, Bill Deere, who wrote a book about it, made a lot of money off of it, that, hey, by the way, that time card, that's the A side. Here's the B side. And that didn't go over well. But, oh. um, yeah. Yeah. So, but it was good TV, though. It was good they, TV. They made that. That was on what network? Dis- uh, Investigation Discovery. You know what? If it was on Oxygen, they would have figured that shit out on day <laughs> one. No comment. I say <laughs> not, no comment. No comment. <laughs> Uh, so what? So at that point, when do you leave your job as a cop? So I, I started a private investigation security consulting firm right after OJ because I had started getting a lot of submissions, for, thousands of submissions for cases. And, uh-huh. and the problem you run into is every time you go out and you, you look at these investigations, there are other jurisdictions. So there becomes a conflict there because I'm a sergeant detective in an active police department while doing that. And I did about, I did 13 and a half years. And then I went to my chief and said, listen, I want to pursue this full time. We got an offer for another show called Breaking Homicide, where I would be investigating multiple cases. And uh, I decided to get a private investigator's license, open the firm, and I've been doing that ever since. Right. And then you had that show also on Discovery ID, yeah, yeah, the Inferior yeah. Network. Yeah, so I'm uh, definitely not. not yeah, I, I love the Investigation this Discovery. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's why I haven't been here in a couple of years. You know, you gotta, right, right. You know, There's a little conflict Yeah, of a little bit of a there. conflict there. Okay, so now I want to slide over to Stephanie. Stephanie, I know very little about you. Uh, I really enjoyed our, our time having drinks last <laughs> night. Uh, and I've consumed a lot of your content on, on YouTube and listened to some, uh, quite a bit of your guys together, your podcast. Um, but I, when, I, when I Googled your name, it came up and said, the first thing that pops up says that you are um, an actress. It says film actress for, I'm trying to find the movie that it said you were in. Um, are you an actress in a movie? The- yes. Okay. Explain. <laughs> Explain. Uh, it's a, it's an indie flake. It's called Bottom Feeders. Okay. You can actually get it on Amazon Prime and everything now, but I, I played Aunt Shelley, and I played across from Jeremy London. He was uh, my husband. Uh-huh. <laughs> you remember Jeremy London from Mallrats, right? Am I the only old one here? Uh, oh, no, I know. Was, okay. was there any, were there any like... <laughs> Like saucy scenes with the oh, two there of was you? saucy scenes. He was so he was so saucy, um, but that was you know he's he's a real actor, so he has to get into character. And I'm like, oh, this guy is like super close to me right now, right? But he was just trying to get into character, okay, guys. And uh, <laughs> it was a funny movie. It was fun to be in. I like I like acting, but that's not no, I'm not an actress. I just helped out the the filmmakers who were friends. So was that the only acting you've done? Yeah, I mean, I was in Netflix. I was in the Netflix series uh, Crime Scene, the Elisa Lam one. I was in right. That. But, but that, not acting, just not as acting. myself. That's just no. true crime stuff, yeah. right? Uh, and so prior to, am I understanding, because you were a YouTuber, mm-hmm. right? Is, is your primary thing. Were you a YouTuber doing true crime stuff before you and Derek got together to do Crime Weekly? Oh, yeah. Yes. So yeah. tell us a little bit about that. What is it? What, what was your, your main job prior to even making the podcast that... Oh, uh, but while I've been on YouTube, it's been my main job for over two years now. So uh-huh. when Derek messaged me, mm-hmm. I had never even watched Big Brother in my life. Okay. Sure. And so my daughter, my daughter's 20 right now, but she, she messaged me. She's like, Derek LaVasser just sent you a message on Instagram. And I'm like, I don't know who that is. <laughs> and so I, I looked him up and I'm like, oh, he's born the same day as I am. <laughs> we're like two days apart. So we're uh-huh. both Aquarius. And that was what made me text him back, honestly. <laughs> I'm also she, she an Aquarius, so if I message you, What's yeah. What's your birthday? Uh, February 3rd. February 3rd? Dude, February 3rd. Yeah. <laughs> That's adorable. That's awesome. I know your birthday. I have it on my notes, and you were born several so years after me. So are you lying me. about being born on February 3rd? What's that? Are you lying about being born on no, February 3rd? No, I was born oh. on February 3rd. I just know the date, the year is yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a little different. Yeah, different decade. I'm, I'm we older. Born and that's not true. You're yeah. Not, no. Yeah. If you're older than you look, then you look amazing. <laughs> and I look like shit. <laughs> <laughs> right? 
but we were born in the same month and the same year. Yeah. So I was like, all right, Crazy. I can I can mess with this dude. So we're all early February. <laughs> yes. Yes. Birthdays, and so you're both much younger than yeah. me, and more successful. Okay. That's- no. Yeah. Well, hey, we're on your yeah, podcast right now, so, right. <laughs> so you're doing all right. Uh, so how did your YouTube channel come to be? I started doing true crime on YouTube because I started watching true crime on YouTube. And, uh-huh. uh, you know, it's, it's like, uh, you know, it's like the, it's like marketing. You see that there's a, a, a hole to fill and you fill it. So for me, the hole on YouTube to fill, um, it was long form true crime videos. There uh-huh. was a lot of shorter 20, 25 minutes. People but- doing makeup while they. <laughs> Some of them, <laughs> but um, I never felt like I, I I had a complete understanding of the case, and my my personality is really analytical, and I feel like I can't make a decision until I know everything, which is annoying to a lot of people around me. But in YouTube, it serves me, uh-huh. so I make long form content, multi parters on one case, so that you have the, the all the information, and you can make an educated decision when you walk away instead of feeling like you have to do your own research and you got to do all this. I mean, we don't have time for that. Most people don't have time to research their favorite true crime case for weeks. Right. So I do it for you. But that that's the the hole that I felt was filled because I left their videos thinking, I really want to know more. And now I feel like I have to do this myself. And if I'm going to do it myself, then I might as well share it with other people so that they don't have to do it. So when you started that, before you started that, that YouTube channel, what did you do before that? What was your 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 job, your career? What did Stephanie do before you were a YouTuber? Stephanie did whatever she needed to. Well, now I'm intrigued. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you will remain intrigued. Oh, so no one knows what you did before. <laughs> no, you I, I was in sales. I just, I, I was in sales, sold cars, sold cell phones, you know, nothing that I enjoyed doing, but you know, whatever you need to do to, to right. make hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was a fireman before I did yeah. this. Yeah. And well, that's a way better job because you're helping people. <laughs> I think Derek so you would made agree me feel really not. bad about my sales I, my brother's background. A firefighter, and every time my brother's yeah. my brother's station was joined to our police department, and I would argue that you did make the right decision because every time I went to a call for a shooting, he was cooking on the grill. So right, right, I, yeah. I was like, my brother's name's Matt. I'm like, forget. So you, Derek's forget saying you. that firefighters are lazy, is what he's saying. I am a hundred percent saying that firefighters are needed. They're amazing, but I would much have rather been a firefighter. I, I think they have a lot more downtime. I'll say. Fire? This is an ongoing battle for years. For years. I'll say this. Firefighters exist because cops need heroes, Heroes, too, yes. Right? We heard yeah, that they... before. That's right. That's right. And, 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 and firefighters will call police before they go into a dangerous area to make sure it's secure. 100% our lives are too valuable. <laughs> yes. Nobody oh, yeah. likes you guys. This conversation <laughs> happens once a week. Uh, true. That is true. There's Even no more defund so the fire department no. movement. Facts. Facts. <laughs> Tracks. Facts. Sorry. That's too soon. Uh, <laughs> facts, but no. The truth is that police and fire, over at least in my career, like work together so much. Oh, it's we're like so a great close. We, this is a this is an ongoing thing. My I always beat them in softball every year. Yeah, <laughs> no. <Nah, laughs> firefighters are amazing. They do a great job, and I would run into a burning building. So I give them, I give you guys a lot of credit for what you guys do. I so, wouldn't do any of it, guys. I'm not going to be a cop. I'm not going to be a firefighter. Like pass, pass. Oh, no. Well, I'm so not brave enough. What I'm getting at by asking like what you did before that, right? So you did sales, you did jobs that weren't fulfilling to you, then and then you 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 get in you you create a YouTube channel. But it's just it, it's amazing to me the world we live in today, the power of the I, I I've been saying for years, like this is the age of the independent content creator. Yes, yes. That 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 uh, this badass woman that decides, you know what? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take charge of my own life, and I'm gonna make this YouTube channel. I'm gonna put this content out, and I'm assuming you didn't have like a massive following for your cell phone sales before that. No, mm-mm. no. So you're just like just regular person mm-hmm. that creates a YouTube channel and start putting out content, and it has blown up and made this amazing career for you. And I and I love that. I love those stories so much. And that room out there, podcast row is. Full of those stories. Yeah. And it's all because of all of you. Yeah, yeah exactly. Absolutely. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. 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 I, I never expected it. And I, I told my husband, I want to stay home and be with, with my kids more. Really, uh-huh. that's, what it, that's what it initially was. Because my first two kids, I had worked so much. I didn't have time to really be there. And with my, with my last daughter, I said, I want to be here. So what do I have to make on YouTube to not ever have to go back and work for anybody else? Because right. I'm sorry, like most of the people I worked for were idiots anyways. Okay. 
not sure. smart, like stupid policies. You just, I'm not the kind of person that can work for other people because I'm always questioning them. And I'm like, don't you think it would be better this way? And they're like, shut up. This isn't your job to question us. And I'm like, I don't want to work here anymore. I quit. Right. So what do I have to do <laughs> to <laughs> right. never have to go back and you work for another? You want to be the idiot in charge. Yes. Uh, right. yeah. yeah. No, I want to be the non-idiot in charge. Right. The yeah. non-idiot in charge. Because we need more of those non-idiots in charge. So I, I said, what do I have to do? How much do I have to make? He gave me a number. And I said, okay, I do whatever it takes now to get to that. Uh-huh. So I never expected this. I just wanted to stay home and be a mom. But That's awesome. But this is awesome. And it's because of everybody, right? Because right. you don't even realize the community and the relationships and the friendships and just the, the investment that other people have in you. And then by default, now you have this investment in them. I just met out there um, at Podcast Row a lovely couple from Florida who have started a YouTube channel called uh, True Crime Couple. They're crime couple. Crime couple. And they're like, well, we want to do what you do. And I said, I want you to do what I do. There's enough space for everybody to do it. We need to support each other. We need to hold each other up. And we need to help other people grow. Because in this space, how can we have more? How can more voices hurt? We're raising awareness. We're trying to help families. We're trying to help victims. The more, the merrier. So I think everybody should start a podcast, a true crime podcast, and do a true crime YouTube channel. Because it's not like it can be saturated. We're trying to help people. And there's so many victims and so many cases that we already in the existing space, we don't have time to cover. So the more, the merrier. Yeah, I agree 100%. Agreed. Agreed. One of the the, the coolest things that I found about this this industry is exactly what you're talking about is the camaraderie mm-hmm. amongst the the creators where you, you would think that there's like this massive competition, but there's really not. I mean, everybody is helping everybody else and supporting everyone else uh, because you know, ultimately most of the overwhelming majority of, of the true crime content creators are really out there trying to make a difference. They're trying to help people. They're trying to raise awareness. Uh, and, and so it, it, it's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. And so, and so you start this podcast and, and just, just completely organically, just you're putting out great content, your listeners, your viewers are watching, they're sharing with their friends, and you just start to build this massive audience and movement. And then it sounds like, from what you just said a few minutes ago, then Derek reaches out to you. So how did that process go? Yeah, so um, originally the podcast was through uh, Discovery ID. Okay. And um, they they had been asking me for that a couple, inferior network. The, yeah, the, the network they that you I, shall not oxygen. be named. I, I I love ID. I'm gonna put it out there because someone will screenshot send this to them. I love ID, but I love oxygen too. And and it's, it goes back to the point you're saying. It's like there's enough space for everybody. Right, right, it right. really is. But um, they had been wanting to do it for a couple of years, and I kept saying no because I was busy doing my my own cases and then the cases on the show. And then this little thing called COVID hit, um, right. which kind of slowed the the ability to go out and do anything really. So. I was like, this is a good opportunity to take advantage of some downtime if we're going to if I'm going to do it. And I started looking around. I said, I want to choose my own co-host. I want mm-hmm. someone who's different. And just to what you just said, this space I'm not that familiar with right. podcasting YouTubers, and I see so much value in it. Not from an entertainment perspective, but just the ability of your pat your backgrounds and what your viewers bring as far as their expertise in certain areas to really crowd solve and help solve right. and, and actually make a difference. And so Yeah, but tell them how you picked me. Tell them how I was the best. So <laughs> it, it, it's true. It, it is true. I like I I was watching her YouTube videos. I was watching others and I just really liked her delivery. I liked how authentic she was. I was really impressed by her research skills. Huh. And so yeah, she exactly what she said. I reached out to her. Thank God for her daughter recognizing who I was and um setting that up. And we kind of connected like right away. Mm-hmm. Fun fact Today is the first day that we've ever met each other yeah. in person. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. yeah. That's the right. Yes. Yeah, well, so. we're like we're like the and same I made person. that happen. You're welcome, yeah. everybody. Yeah. That's. I mean, we yeah. would have been here well, anyways, <laughs> but yeah. they probably yeah. wouldn't have both even come to CrimeCon. No, yeah. we just would, if, if, if Bob Ruff didn't ask, we would have been like, screw we're, CrimeCon. They ain't coming. Yeah. But no, we live in others. We live in different states, yeah. and. Over time, we've gotten close. It's funny how similar we are. We're it's like the of, same person. It's scary, actually. But um, it, well, I was I was glad to come meet her today, and I'm really enjoying this. I think there's even more another evolution to this. Like mm-hmm. we're doing it podcast, we're doing it YouTube. I've already discussed with Stephanie some concept to get it on television. Where I really think there needs to be a merger between 
you know, podcasters, people like yourself, where we get you guys on TV and we're out actually going out to these places and trying to solve these cases right. because there's bad things that you've experienced through other cases you've researched where just because you don't have the traditional background, like I may have, you're probably more capable of answering some questions than I am. And we shouldn't, there's this stigma in law enforcement where you want to always have, you know, if you're not a detective, you can't help. Right. It's not true. If I have a vehicle that I'm looking for that with a specific broken tail light, a mechanic's going to be more able to answer that than me. Sure. And that's what I want to really do. And I think there's a bigger thing we can do with it down the road, hopefully, as COVID continues to clear up, where we can all work together collectively, still do YouTube, still do podcasting, but also get uh, your beautiful face on television as well. That's the goal. You know, it, it, you're really cutting me deep, Derek, by not knowing that I have a TV show. Oh, shit. <laughs> shit. Shit. That is awkward. <laughs> That is awkward. Is it on oxygen? It's on goddamn oxygen! Well, that's why. <laughs> that's that, why you said it. Did you that know? That's why. Well, I mean. What did you want me to do? What step in and say? save a guy. Well, for the okay, record, I don't. Kick, I don't like, yeah, kick me or something. Hey, I didn't know you wanted to be kicked. Well, and you know what? I'm sure it's an amazing show. Right, you know, you've seen it right here. Yeah, I'm sure it's an amazing show. But I will say this, and, and, goes for, and she'll back me up on this. Yeah. I don't listen to podcasts. No. I don't watch True Crime Network no. shows. I do it all day long, 12 hours a day, <laughs> even when it's not for this. Bob, he wanted to know nothing about you coming into this, okay? Right, that way we can yeah. all learn yeah. <laughs> right this here on the that, air. That's Congratulations amazing. on the show. <laughs> What's that? Congratulations on the show, Thanks, though, yeah. man. Awesome. Sold it. Uh, he had auction a couple years ago. It went really well. It's very popular. That's great. That's great. Well, yeah, I'm just going to shut up now. So, anyways, we got together. Okay, the yeah. two of you get together. Yeah, we got together. And, you got together. and you actually left me out to dry on that one, too. You just yeah. let me keep going with this beautiful thing. Well, listen, I, I, as I mentioned before you guys came out, that, um, you know, I can't reuse the same jokes from the last. Session, so I was like, "Oh, this is the best setup this, ever." That, Keep one. digging, buddy. You're welcome. Keep digging. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. That, that, that that's gonna get uh, <laughs> Stephanie. Thank you. Appreciate that. Appreciate. It. How could I have but, said so? Would so I like, excuse Ruff, me, whatever. Derek? You're so dumb. He, he <laughs> is on TV. Stop me, me something. <laughs> but but in, but in general, I think there's more for. It. I've talked to, I've talked to some other people who are not do not have their own show. Right, those other guys. And right, I, yeah. and I think again, in, in your show, is it? Do you have other investigators? Like I want to combine investigators that are in the space with podcasters because I think that combination could be like really advantageous. Right. Like if someone had a show where they say take on like the West Memphis three case. Yeah. yeah. And let's show. say. Like, Show, yeah. Yeah. Let's say they come, they join forces with an FBI profiler, right? Okay. And then, okay. Yo, guys, write this down. Yeah, this write is this good. down. This, this is, is good this stuff. Is gold. Yeah. This like is gold. It's like a brainstorming yeah. session uh, right here. I think this would it, really, it takes really a village resonate. To create these and things, then they guys. get together and then they investigate the case, like all. It's lively. almost like you've done this before. I yeah, know. I, you know, it seems like. A good yeah. <laughs> Like deja vu or something. All right. Well, at least I'm thinking of things that p other people Listen, are thinking of too. All the, all I learned from here is that you and I were on the same page. We agree 100 yes. on that. Right? Yes. 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 Uh, uh, but I'm with you, and we've seen more and more of that. We've seen more of the the the, the podcasters have they started do it. making. Got to uh, do it. Yeah. I want to see Stephanie. I know Steph. You don't have a show yet that I don't know about, right? Not yet. No. Okay. Cool. I'll we'll make sure it. you'll be the first person to know, though, so you don't make that. this mistake. Yeah. Appreciate that. Right after your acting debut, that <laughs> yeah. show just that that movie just came out this year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so what was that? So that was uh, what was that process like filming that? Is that the first time you've done film work like that? No, um, I, I acted all through high school. You know, lead in the musicals. Don't even get me started. What okay? musical? A lot of musicals. And she you're sings, always the lead. She sings to me all the time all on the podcast. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Is there anything you'd like to sing today? No, I well, there's a million things I would like to sing today, but I'm not going to take up the time. But you know, like let's let's get together later. We'll do karaoke, guys. But yeah. <laughs> um, the process was interesting because we started. It took about a year to film. The last day of before the COVID lockdown started, that last day was when we wrapped. So that was very fortunate for us. Oh. Because we were all filming and we're like, oh, it sounds like they're going to, you know, two weeks to flatten the curve starts tomorrow. <laughs> right. That curve's almost flat. I yeah, mean, we're I think right it's going to get there. I, I yeah. two, more, two more weeks. But um, so it was interesting. And it was interesting working with, you know, actual actors. Like, uh -huh. you know, that was a learning experience. But it was fun. I don't know. It's fun. Like, I like to act. I like to be different people. Right. So <laughs> <laughs> I kind of wanted to a few minutes ago. You what? Be a different person. You want to be a different person? Right. It's going to act. Don't. Because Derek yeah. hurt my feelings in front no. of everybody. I know. I feel like an asshole now. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you do? You just got to keep moving forward. I guess. Right. So, so when you guys get together, right? So, so you've already got the concept for the show together? Mm, yes. 
And then and then you're looking for a co-host. Yep. You meet up with meet up with Stephanie. Yeah. Match made in heaven. Is yeah. is the show still produced by ID that, no, that other inferior? No, we network? actually changed okay. it for anyone who actually uh, does anyone listen to it? All right. So we um and then it just as you know from being on television, <laughs> there's a lot of re- there's a lot of restrictions that come with it. That stuff yeah. we you know. He said there's a lot of restrictions that Stephanie didn't like. Pretty right. much, yeah. That's what happened. But I was constantly complaining to him. I was like, "Why do we have to run everything through By lawyers? lawyers yeah. Why do we always have to be on these conference calls? Why are these people telling me what to do? I don't want to work for anyone." Yeah. I right. said, "Derek, this is why I'm doing my own thing. I don't want to answer don't to anybody." Work for idiots. Yeah. And they and they no. and it is just so like you can't say this, you can't say this, or you have to say it like this. And I was like, this is bananas. Yeah, it was tough. Get them out of here. Let's just do what because we can't be authentic, and we can't really be what we want to be and, and cover the case the way we want. When every five seconds we got the lawyers being like, can't say that, can't say that, can't say that. And that wasn't even I. That wasn't even ID lawyers. ID they just you know they they just promoting it. it wasn't on there. It was more the production company mm-hmm. we we're working with. And again, uh-huh. they're a big production company. I understand why they're doing it. We didn't need that. And it was actually taken away from what we felt was a better show. So I went to them. They were great. I said, we'd like to go out on our own. Are you okay with that? They were great about it. They didn't, there was no pushback. No, they were great. Um, And we also said, hey, listen, if we're going to go out on our own, let's do what you do best and let's throw it on YouTube as well. So now we're doing both and we, we didn't have that opportunity either. So we've already heard from some people today where they're like, we could see the difference when you guys started Mm -hmm. doing your own thing. Sure. And so I'm glad to see that what we decided to do is paying off. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, and the show is great. I said, I've been listening to it, catching up on them and, uh, and I a hundred percent agree. It it is tough when you have, when you have so many layers ahead of you, you know, above you with every legal and everybody yep. just telling you what you can say and what you can't say. So that that's, I mean, it's admirable too that you guys take the leap and say, when you have this big backing network behind you, say, you know, we want to go out on our own. Yeah. And, and again, you know, maybe down the road it's something else, but we want to be in control. Right. That's that simple. We want to have the final say. Right. So, so crime weekly is born. And and so it was just born. How long have you guys been? Not doing? long. How many episodes have we put out? This is we've this is we've done twenty six episodes, so twenty six weeks. Twenty six weeks. So yeah. so that's way more episodes than I thought we had. Yeah, I was gonna be like a couple months, I think. <laughs> yeah, twenty six episodes. We only got about eight episodes or nine episodes on YouTube, but twenty six episodes in total. So what's the, what's the process like for you? Because every week you're 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 selecting a case. Some of them go to the, the case we're gonna talk about today. You know, spills over to two weeks. So, who picks the case? How do you guys do your research and, and plan things out? How does that process work from 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 two people who have never met in different states? It's tough. Yeah, it's tough. Oh, you want me to say? Why don't you? Yeah, why don't you go for it? Why not you go? I mean, for I'll be it? happy to fill in, but I don't think um, I know the answer. Well, so we have different strengths. We are very similar, but we also have different strengths. So uh, Derek handles a lot of the administration stuff. He handles anytime he, we have to talk to people or like work collaboratively with people. He handles that because I'm not good at that. Um, I'm not a friendly person. Like <laughs> I'm friendly now, but I mean, when I, it's like work mode, I'm not friendly because I'm so busy and I, that they're talking to me about this administrative stuff and we got to do this. And I'm like, I don't have time for this. So mm-hmm. I get short. So to keep our relationships intact, Derek deals with them because he's nicer okay. than me. Um, and then we'll pick the case usually together or like one person will be like, let's do this. And then the other person will be like, okay, um, never an issue. Um, I'll, I'll research it, write it, leaving the areas where he's strong, which is his law enforcement expertise. So I'm the storyteller, I'm the writer. So I'll write it out and then leave gaps and areas for him to respond. Because I do, when I'm looking at these cases, just like anybody else, I'm like, I wonder what the police would have done in this case, or the police did this, but would they have done something different? So then I can ask him that and he gives his, uh, did I hit that? Was that me? I'm pretty sure that's you. Yep. No. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he gives his uh, he gives his input, and then we actually we have an editor now because we we did not have time to edit <laughs> the mm, podcast, right. so we have an editor now. But other than that, like it's it's pretty much all us. Yeah, it is. It's all us, and it's fun because some of the cases I'm familiar with, some of them I'm not. We just we just recorded a case, Cody Joyce, which is a case I did on breaking homicide. Uh-huh. Case I'm very familiar with. I've gone out and protested because I think the the police did a really shitty job, to be honest. I think that, that episode case. came out today too. It guys. actually came out this morning. That's right, the first part. Go but check um, it out. you know, it's something where I, she'll go watch my episode, or she's she's done a YouTube video on a specific case, like Cynthia Hoffman, which we're going to talk CC, about. Yeah. Little, uh, we're yeah. going to talk about a little bit today. I wasn't familiar with that case. 
where do I go? I go to Stephanie's YouTube video to cut because I know her research is so sure. good where I can watch that two hour download and do a little bit of my own if I have my own questions. So when we come together that night, we try not to talk about the case. No, we do. But we do every time. Right. But right, we try yeah. not to until the mic's going because we always say things that we wish we set up. We had captured. Yeah. Exactly. But um, it's, a, it's really working out. We have a nice system. We record uh, through the internet, basically using a software and we have some technical difficulties sometimes with that, but um, we're working with what we got right now. Down the road, maybe we do something where we're in person on a weekly basis, but right now we record on Mondays. Episode goes out by Friday. YouTube version goes out that following Wednesday. Yeah. Nice. And, you know, through COVID, we have all learned so much to, you know, this show was born from COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, through Truth and Justice, I just couldn't do what I was doing for a while and was and started doing this. And we've learned, like, my producer and editor now works remotely, who used to be in the office every day, like... Uh, you know, everything we've, we've all learned how to do this job in a different way because of COVID. And it's worked out great for you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's, let's talk about, so since you are the researcher and storyteller, uh, Stephanie, can you tell us a little bit about the Cynthia Hoffman case? Uh, Cece Hoffman, she was a young girl in Alaska. She was murdered by a, a woman, Denali Bremer, who she thought was her best friend because Cece Hoffman was, uh, on the spectrum. So she was very close to her family. And her father, he, he speaks out about her case a lot, but she was very close to her family. But obviously she wanted to be accepted by her peers, kids her own age. And, um, unfortunately the, the kids that she was accepted by ended up being assholes. Pretty Mm -hmm. much. They were assholes. And they used her. And Denali actually was communicating with another individual, Darren Schillmiller. Mm -hmm. Darren Schillmiller, yep. From Indiana, I believe, who told her that he was a millionaire uh, or a billionaire or something. And he said, if you you, um, kill somebody, if you sexually assault somebody and kill somebody and get it on camera and send me pictures, then I will pay you a bunch of money. And, uh, millions. He said millions. he would pay millions, millions of dollars. Seven yep. million or something, yeah. Yeah, I think nine, nine million. million. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, nine million. So Denali got together with a bunch of other assholes, and she said, hey, listen, uh, where, you know, if we kill this girl, then we will make a lot of money. And you know, she didn't ask him to see proof of the money. She didn't ask for a down payment. Never like, met this guy before. Never met him before. Had no idea if he was actually who he was. And uh, they, they tricked Cynthia into going to this more isolated area. They told her they were going to go hiking or something. And then they, they murdered her. They shot her in the head. And, um, and then they put her in the river. And from both the testimony of Denali and the other kid that was with her, I forget his name off the top of my head. Caden. Uh, Tyler Caden. Yeah. So the other one that was with her, they said when they put her in the river, she was still twitching, which meant that she was still alive. So not only did these people shoot her in the head um, after, I believe, tying her up, but then they put her in the river while her hands were still tied and she was shot in the head so that she could slowly suffer and drown. So they are the worst scum of the earth, in my opinion. And not only that, while they're doing this, they're sending Snapchat videos to Darren Schillmiller so that he can watch. And it wasn't good enough for Darren Schillmiller yes. because they didn't sexually assault her. So then Darren Schillmiller went on to convince Denali to sexually assault two underage girls, uh, I believe seven and, and 12 or something. And yep. there is, if you watched our or listened to our podcast about it, there was a bunch of text conversations between Denali and Darren where he says just the most horrendous things, the most horrendous things. And she's into it. You know, she's like, love you, babe. Like, oh, I'm going to do this. You know, a lot of people out there, they want to paint Denali Bremer as a victim of some kind. She, the papers report that she was catfished, kind of making it seem like she's less liable, like she's less responsible for this. When in reality, she is not, um, she's not a victim at all, in my opinion. So it was, it was awful. She continued to do these things. They were planning another murder because the, the, the CC Hoffman murder didn't apparently go to Darren Schillmiller's liking. They were planning to do it again and she was all for it. So mm-hmm. I, I just don't, um, it's awful. It's senseless. And it's going on right now too. So you guys can still follow along with it. I think the discovery hearing was April 28th where there's been this process of they, they've been retrieving data. I think they had, what we say? It was like so, over 100,000 uh, pages, yeah. over 100,000 pages of data, probably mostly cell phone records and, you know, the metadata within it. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to basically really tie together that Darren Schillmiller uh, and Denali were working together the whole time because they're all trying to basically say, oh, you know, I was manipulated or, you know, I wasn't even in the state, so how could I be account- you know, held accountable for it? So that's still ongoing. I know that the judge, even though some of the, the suspects in the case, the offenders that have been charged are underage, yeah. 
you usually don't have family court and criminal, you know, adult court go at the same time. But the judge is doing a great job of trying to make sure everything's concurrent so that they all kind of face the same punishment, even though the, some of them are juveniles. They knew what they were doing. They were like, old enough to understand what they were doing. So we'll see how it turns and out. And it was premeditated. Like this per, was this was being planned for several weeks. These people went to her house, met her father, like met her family. Yep. It, during this time when she was missing, Denali was texting her father, uh, Cece's father and sister and being like, oh my goodness, I hope she's found soon. I'm so worried about her. I love her so much. She's my best friend. Just adds insult to injury. So these are people, you know, imagine you have a, a young daughter. You're very protective of her. She's vulnerable. You allow people into your house who you think are helping her and they end up just planning her murder Mm -hmm. and then mislead you into thinking that something else happened her and they had nothing to do with it it's just disgusting Mm -hmm. well and this led on the on your podcast episodes about it it led to a little bit of healthy debate between the two of you guys uh regarding denali's yes um, we debate about we debate at least once an episode yeah (laughs) about her couple because because what i found interesting and and what it was was derek you were and i'll let you articulate your own point but no but go for it but but it was it was (laughs) The, the the debate was between where the way I took it was Stephanie basically said no like she's horrible there's no excuse no redeemable quality I agree there's nothing with. yeah yeah uh, but then I also don't disagree with you know the point you were maybe trying to make which was but there is another element there where this teenage girl is being manipulated by an adult. So I'll, I'll let you kind of articulate how you yeah. feel about it, and then I'll let you guys argue about it. Wasn't and she I'll like 19 or 20? I mean, come on. So she, she brought the gun. Um, she She's a horrible person, deserves to spend the rest of her life in prison, uh, maybe even, I don't the death penalty in, uh, do they have the, I don't think they have I'm the sure death penalty there. Know. But she, she she's a horrible person. I want to make that very clear. But when you start to look at the conversations that happen via text, via Snapchat, um, you can see that this guy, Darren Schillmiller, who was actually, he was telling her his name was Tyler. He knew what she was looking for. Now, the argument that Stephanie, and again, you can get this, was that regardless of whether Denali had found Darren Schillmiller or not, she would have eventually killed someone. And I don't necessarily... I don't think I said that. Well, okay. Well, well my, my point was this. My, 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 my point was this. I do feel like Darren Schillmiller knew what he was doing. He knew what he, she was from a, she, an economically deprived area. She didn't have a lot growing up with. Mm-hmm. He, he, he knew that she was monetarily motivated. She would say, I love you. He would make sure he said it back, even though he had never met her. I just felt like he was like, hey, listen, if you do this, there's a chance we can be together. A, you know, I, I felt like that was a motivating factor. I'll let you say your The fact that she would want to be with somebody like that shows that she's a psychopath. I agree. There's no way that you're, I don't care how old you are, you're talking to somebody and he's like, I, and he says in these texts, like, I have a problem that I, I want to have sex with children. He says these things and he's like, I just, I, I can't be fixed. Like, I'm never going to be fixed. And this is the man you want to start your life with. So right there, to me, that's a, a sign of her character. So what I meant to say is not that she would go on to kill somebody if she hadn't met him. To me, it's irrelevant what she would have gone on to do if she hadn't met him because she did meet him. And she went along with everything he asked, knowing that he's a very, very uh, disturbed individual who wants to hurt other people. I don't give a shit what she would have done if she hadn't met him because she did. And this so is what, what she did. So what was our debate then? I forgot. I, I think you were, we both agree you were trying to make person. me feel bad for her. You were like, no, oh, I was not. yes, you were. See, no, I was not. I think, she's, I, think so, I think she's a horrible person. I just felt like... If I, had I think to it put was a- levels of culpability, like she's not as culpable. Once again, it, it doesn't, I don't need to have like a degree of how culpable she is because of her, somebody's dead. Oh yeah, no, for Darren sure. Darren Schillmiller wouldn't have left Indiana and gone to Alaska and killed C.C. Right. Hoffman. We know that much is true. Yeah, he wasn't even there. Yes. I just felt like he was, uh, he was looking for someone to groom and it happened to be Darren. So what my point is, I don't know what Denali would have done if it was someone else, but I can I can almost guarantee you that Darren Schillmiller, if it wasn't Denali, it would have been another young girl that he would have manipulated into doing this. This was going right. to happen. Regardless. Oh, I'm sure he and tried And that's what before. I was trying to say. The, yeah. This was a, this was inevitable for him, and if he hadn't been caught, yes. there'd be others. Mm-hmm. That's that's basically yeah. Yeah, that's what I was. Yeah, and, and I don't disagree with either one of you because I'm I, quite frankly I'm afraid of both of you. <laughs> and, um, but but no, there is like there's always these like little ethical like this like meta involved like for sure she kills. But then you look at so look at the the DC sniper case. Um, it's a good one. It's good gosh, what was the, the Malvo? Was that the the young man's name? John. Yeah, John mm-hmm. Malvo. So so here you, it's a similar situation. You have a young teenager that is shooting people. Right. Um, 
who's being groomed by his uh, it, not it wasn't even a father. It was it was a, an adult mm-hmm. who who's grooming him and manipulating him. Like where it's very difficult for me to say where do we draw the line of culpability because most certainly there are there's a human being on the end of that rifle who is dead because this person pulled the trigger and there needs to be justice for that but then there's like this no- other layer there's this like kind of like out of the box feeling right there was like but how how responsible is he? I'm a person who believes that 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 like mental abuse and manipulation is so real and more powerful than we can than we can imagine if we haven't been through it. That I have, I I just and I'm not saying right or wrong. I just I I always find myself asking those hard questions, like, but how culpable do I think he is? Is this a person that needs to go to prison for the rest of his life and never see the light of day after 15 years at 15 years old? Um, yes. In that case. Yes. And Darren, okay. for sure, I, d- I deny I completely agree with you. She- and in this situation, too, I, I mean, yeah. unfortunately, we don't. Yes, it's sad. Like, And I even feel sympathy and empathy, but it doesn't change the fact that what you did was not only illegal, but you took somebody's life. Right. And and whatever your reasons were, whatever led up to it, and we all got a story. Yeah. Yeah. But right. lots of people are mentally abused. Lots of people are emotionally abused. Lots of people are manipulated and gaslit. They don't do Dude, this. Correct. Yeah. So I agree. It, it does ultimately come down to a personal choice at some point because you can say we all have our own individual experiences. And and Darren uh, Shill Miller or the, the guy you're talking about who just shot all these people. Yeah, I'm sure they have things happen to them. But did they have anything happen to them that was unique to them alone that nobody else has ever experienced? Probably not. Right. Well, I mean, I think there's. It, it's a broader conversation, right? Than than we cover here in, in a few minutes. But there's, you know, another one the name that comes to mind is Brendan Dassey, which is a can of worms. So yeah. we're not going to get into that. But you yeah. know, um, but I, I think because you're also dealing with, um, you know, a, a, a whole different set of circumstances. Someone who I 100 percent believe had nothing to do with it because I covered it very extensively on my TV show. Well, that's different. Uh, Jesse Miss Kelly. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. By the way, huge fan of the show. Right. <laughs> Huge fan, huge fan. Jesse, Miss Kelly, I agree. Right, but but I mean, he's innocent anyway. But, but right but, now, yeah. So, like, are we factoring in someone's um, mental capacity, potential mental illness? You, you know, so yeah, so uh, Malvo, the in the DC sniper case, is he? Did he? Were his experiences leading him to that point different than anybody else's who didn't kill people? Maybe not, or maybe yes, but. Did any of those other people that had similar experiences and a sim- similar mental capacity ever have someone, a manipulative psychopath, grab them, groom them, manipulate them into pulling the trigger? And if they had, would they have done the same thing? And I think sometimes the answer is yes, yeah. depending on their – and again, I'm not. That's, it's so tricky. It's such a hard conversation to have. But it's for a good me, one. For me, who was so victim-centric with all of the work that we do is say, yeah, but that person's still dead. That person's still – that culpable for killing them, 100%. but there's another layer to it, and I don't know the answer. I'm not sitting here saying I have the answer to it, but it's one of those questions that haunts me a lot of time to think about: Are we doing this right? Yeah. There is another layer to it. I agree, and it, it's complicated. But for me, I'm here to be the voice for people who are no longer here because sure. their lives were taken from them. 100%, so that yeah. that other conversation, um, uh, uh, other people may have it and and go over it, but for me, like. The, the victims, the people who were murdered for no reason, it, they don't probably care what, what this dude's story is. You know, right. Their families probably don't really care what this dude's Timothy story Hoffman is. Timothy Hoffman doesn't, that's for sure. He's, C.C. He's Hoffman's great. father does not care what happened to these kids to get them to where they were. Right. And that's really, I, I guess, where I stand. And so yeah. there can be advocates out there for um, murderers. <laughs> if that's what, if that's well, what I, I want to point out too, in, the, in this particular case, like I, I'm always about you know expanding the conversation. Mm-hmm. I want to point out in this particular case, I think Denali 100 percent should be like this is a di- this is different. Yeah, I mean, me. she brought the gun. Yeah, there's a, th- there's a different level of manipulation uh, between John Malvo and yes. and, and Denali, who yeah, she was manipulated by so online someone she never met when she's an adult. I use quotation marks when yeah. I say adult at 19 years old. And yeah, goes and gets a gun, recruits people, and then just carries out this horrible act 
to try to impress some yeah. guy on the internet. That's a yeah. different, very and, different level. And for Stephanie, me. when you go into the text, the, we're not going to say him today, but when we go into the sexual assault of the juvenile, the pri- the aggressor in that conversation who seems excited about what's going to transpire is Denali. Denali. So, so right. that's why I'm on the same page as. I mean, we didn't debate. So there's as, there's yeah. very few shades of gray with that one. Yeah. But look at um, Carla Homoka, Paul Bernardo. Yeah, you brought okay. that one before. You brought that one in that episode. So yeah. this is this is somebody who you would arguably say was very manipulated, Carla, right? right? Does it matter? I mean, she was manipulated enough where the Canadian government thought, we're just going to let you out, and now you can just walk amongst people, even though you took part in torturing and murdering, abducting multiple women, including your own baby sister. So she's out walking free now, bringing right. her kids to school. Does do you feel comfortable with that? So how much can we really argue? Like, well, how much was Carla messed up before she met Paul, or after she met Paul, or did she just have a personality that kind of allowed her to be manipulated? It's such a really textured conversation, but I personally think at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. You did what you did, and uh, and that's that. And. And by the way, Darren Schilmiller is trying to beat this. He's trying to beat it. Yeah, yeah. he's trying to beat it. That's, yeah. the, that's, the, what, that's, that's the, what happens he's when we have there. this conversation. So he's like, trying to oh, beat this case. were they mentally ill? Now these people who aren't mentally ill and who don't have these issues try to use that as a defense because it's used in legitimate cases. So we have to look at the cases and wonder how much percentage, how many of these cases are actually legitimate where we can look at their background and say that it had a lot to do with what they ended up doing. Because everybody's sure. trying to use it now. Yeah. Right. Lori Vale is trying to get off with a mental health claim. We just did Carrillo, mm-hmm. Liliana Carrillo. The yeah, they're one, all. The, yeah, the, that's another one. Yeah, there's a lot of them. There is. Every time something happens now, it's like, oh, well, they're, you know, they're mentally ill. They had this happen in their childhood. They had this happen. They had this happen. Uh, what, what, at what point do we say we just don't care anymore? I agree. And, <laughs> and by good. I agree, I meant when you said that we're going to wrap this up. Yeah. And <laughs> here's the thing. This case, and this is how true crime binge works for those of you that haven't listened, is we touch on a case like this. We have a really intriguing conversation. But if you really want to know about this case, you need to go check out their show and give it a listen. The podcast is called Crime Weekly. Their names are Stephanie Harlow and Derek Lavasser. And if you haven't listened already, they're going to be your next true crime binge. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Crime Binge is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Audioboom. Produced and edited by Mike Bussing. Music and artwork by Shane Yoder of PutThemInASong.com. Our website, TrueCrimeBinge.com, was created by Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com. If you're a listener and would like to recommend a future guest or a podcaster that would like to request an interview, you can do so right on our website. And again, that web address is TrueCrimeBinge.com. If you're enjoying the show, please do me a huge favor and take a minute to rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you're using to listen. And make sure you give us a follow on social media. We can be found everywhere at True Crime Binge. Thank you so much for listening and make sure you tune in next Wednesday morning for another podcaster, another case, and another True Crime Binge.